Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and today I'm talking with my friend and fellow podcaster, Lenny Aiello of the Nerdaholics podcast and What's Your Story podcast. A double threat. <laughs> What's up, Lenny? I'm stoked to be here. <laughs> That's my line. <laughs> <laughs> So not only do I rip off your podcast, I also rip off your catchphrase. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. So with What's Your Story, you're having conversations with people. The key difference is, and this is, you're totally not ripping me off with that podcast. The key difference is I don't come into these things prepared at all. Whereas you come into What's Your Story, like, like it's like a legit interview. Like you have questions thought out that I'm assuming are on paper or on, on your phone or something like you've done prep work and it shows. Um, there's a, a basic format where, you know, Hey, where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, and there, and I am a paper guy. Um, I'm a pen and paper guy. I'm old school. So there's a basic format and it's kind of like, how long have you been in the leftover army? where are you from, kind of basic background family stuff. And then it kind of, then I let the conversation lead me to where it goes. And then we have a backup of like a hundred questions. Uh, oh, nice. Like, just to, if, if, if they don't lead me down a path where I don't know what to ask next, because some people will say something and I'm like, oh, you just can't leave that there. You know, we <laughs> yeah. got to dive into that. So if if I don't know where to go next, then I have just a list of questions to, to go from. So there's a basic format to it. But I still totally think it, it a little bit that we ripped you off. Because the very first time I listened to StarCast, I think you were talking to Old Man Shooty. And I was kind of like, oh, this is like the Dr. Phil for the leftover army. <laughs> Dr. You Phil. Know, you're, like the, you're like the therapist of of the, you know, everybody just comes to Joe and they just spill their guts and you just. Com completely you know, unlicensed, you, unaccredited. <laughs> right. You just, everybody just talks to you. And, and I, I have to admit, like, I feel, I feel like I'm almost not qualified to be on StarCast like everybody you talk to in in the leftover army and you don't just talk to army members but everybody on this podcast they're so friggin' smart and I like I have to apologize now I cuss a lot so cuss words are gonna come out and I'm gonna try not I'm gonna try to edit myself <laughs> dude don't don't worry about it um I I cuss like a sailor um well, so. I'm sure <laughs> I cuss more than you I, I think there's Iowa. been maybe one or two episodes of Starcast out of the 130 some now that aren't marked explicit. So no worries. Because <laughs> uh, you'll you'll hear it. There's going to be an f bomb, or uh, I'm just I'm I'm going to try not to. But my vocabulary is very limited, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and my adjectives always uh, are cuss words. But but my point was. Your guests in, in the leftover army people, they're so smart and they're so talented people. I'm like, man, I like, and I think it's what took me so long to actually ask you to come on was because I almost feel like, man, I don't, I, and, and I'm almost a little, I was almost like a little afraid to come on to the podcast. Cause like, man, I, I don't stack up to these people 
And, oh, that's imposter and, syndrome whispering in your ear, my friend. Don't 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 even pay attention to that. And the qualifications that these people like Tristan's a lawyer and Philip, you, you know, well, these guys write books and and they, you know, there's just everybody you talk to is so talented. And I cook for a living and run run a restaurant. Like, <laughs> I think that that's you know? impressive, though, dude. Like, I I don't know if I could keep a business going. I don't I don't have like. Let me tell you about a, a nightmare in a business venture. Years ago, my wife and I, um, her her mom was a, a receptionist at a uh, a chiropractic office, and so at one point, the owners of that office asked her, you know, hey, would would Lindsay and Joe be interested in cleaning the office once a week? And then we would, you know, pay them. And this would just be like a regular thing. And it was like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. I, I think they were paying us like maybe like around like $50 a week or something like that. So, you know, it, with the two of us working together, we'd get in and out of there and usually like, you know, less than 90 minutes to do the whole thing. And it ended up being a pretty decent source of income. Went on for a little while. We were claiming it on our taxes as just like an extra source of income. And then after a while, I get a letter from the IRS saying that I'm in violation of tax code because I haven't been collecting sales tax on my small business. And so I owe them (laughs) $2,000. And I was like, I remember going and talking to the lady who prepares my taxes, which I don't know if that really counts as your accountant. And, and her, like me basically explaining it all to her and her going like looking like I'm thinking she's going to help me with some understanding or something. And she looks at me and she's like, wow, what are you going to do? And I'm, right. like, I'm like, that's why I'm fucking here, lady. <laughs> like, What am I going to do? I guess I'm paying this and then I have to figure out how to register for a sales tax ID. And she's like, I think that's what you're going to have to do. And so I'm like, fuck, I didn't need to come here at all. You're just like a sounding board. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, so I, I had a terrible head for business, and and I thought it was quite the headache to to pay that quarterly tax bill and all that shit. And when eventually we got sick of cleaning, and we're like, "Fuck this, we're not doing this anymore." And at one point, we were up to three different businesses that we were all doing on weekends. Um, but then it just got to the point where we're like, well, "I don't want to fucking scrub toilets anymore. I don't fucking care." You know, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And then when I was able to send that letter to the IRS, being like. This sales tax number is no longer going to be used anymore because this business no longer exists. It was, I was actually quite happy about it. Right. Yeah. Like I've been playing restaurant for, I don't know, over 20 years now. Uh, you know, me and my brother. Did I lose you? Oh, Skype noise. Fuck. Okay. We had a little bit of Skype issue there, but you were just saying you've been in the restaurant business for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I started off as a line cook, you know, just cooking in restaurants. And then I seen other people open up their own place. And I was like, man, they're, they're dumbasses. How are they opening up their own place? And then finally me and my brother were like, you know, let's open up our own shop. And, you know, we, we grew up in Massachusetts and like mom and pop Connor sub shops were like our favorite things. So then that's we decided to open up our own little mom and pop, you know, uh, sub shop, and we've been in business now. We I think we just had our ten year anniversary. Dude, that's really impressive. Um, I I think I remember hearing a statistic like one in only one in ten restaurant ventures succeed. So to keep it going for ten years is super impressive. Yeah, th- thanks. You know, like we we've been profitable since year one. So you know, but I, I think. 
the advantage that we had, there's two of us. Um, and that helps out a lot because me and my, we're identical twins. Uh, so, you know, where there's not just one worker, there's kind of two. And I think it makes a big difference, especially when he's kind of my best friend and, you know, and we do think a lot alike. So I think it does help to have like a mini me, you know, (laughs) that's a funny way to put it. Um, what's the name of your restaurant? It's called big boys grilled subs and wings, but everybody in town, they just call it big boys, you know, like where you at? Oh, we're at big boys. You know, we're having lunch at big boys. We're at big boys. Like their official name is Big Boy Subs and Wings because we sell subs and wings. Uh, we're we're pretty much like a fast casual restaurant, so like we sell subs and wings. But when you come and dine in, you actually get like you get a server. Like you sit down, we bring you menus. A server comes over to you, they take your order. You know, so it's like a a full service a full service restaurant where like you get served by a server but it's subs and wings. We also do like carry out and we have like a, a, a drive through pickup window, but when you dine in, it's full service. Wow. And where are you guys located at? It's in Washington, Missouri. Sweet. I'm going to have to look that up sometime. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> Iowa and Missouri are not that far apart. <laughs> Fucking did Skype fuck us again? Fuck you, Skype. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Skype's being real fucked up tonight. So we're back. Um, whoa, we, we were still talking about uh, the restaurant. Yeah, I don't know where we were, but. <laughs> so so I, I think at one point we were, this might have been pre-recording. You were saying you guys started out primarily as a sub shop and then you transitioned into also doing wings. Yeah, I mean, well, the wings were all always there. I just never knew how. I didn't, I didn't know how big the wings were going to be, but now, but it's, the wings are a big part of the, big part of the restaurant. I mean, I, we're just like subs and wings are just, uh, just things that people like, you know, and our town really didn't have a wings, like a wing place. Like we don't have Buffalo wild wings and we don't have any big chain, you know, wing places. Cause we're, I mean, we're a small town, probably not as small as your town, but uh, but we don't have like we have the chain stuff like you know McDonald's and Jack in the Box and shit like that. But but we don't have like like I said like Buffalo Wild Wings and 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 stuff like that. So like like I said, we just do we just do subs and wings and and subs and wings. People just like them. It's just everyday. It's just everyday food. It's just you know like when I first moved to Missouri. I was, I grew up in Massachusetts and I grew up with mom and pop shops. And when I moved out here, it was all chains. It was all like Subway and, you know, in McDonald's and there, there weren't that many mom and pop shops. And for 20 years I worked out here and I'm like, man, this, this town really needs more mom and pops. And so like eventually, you know, we got to a point where we could open up our own place. And like I said, we've been successful from the, from day one, which was really cool you know, and, and the town has kind of embraced us, you know, so I feel really fortunate to, to, to live in this town and to, and to be supported by the town. Yeah. That's really, really awesome. Especially getting through the pandemic as a restaurant. That's, that's pretty amazing that you guys made it through. 
uh, I'm not going to lie. The pandemic actually, we were busier. It actually boosted business. Even though we lost our dining. The uh, time- I bet the carryout was going nuts. It went crazy. We we have a, a drive through pickup window. It's not really oh, you don't shit. Really, even better, dude. It's like you guys yeah. were built for it. Yeah, you don't. We don't have an order like we, there's no box in back where you're like, I want like. So you call in and then I just tell you, okay, ten minutes, and then you drive around the building and then you pick it up. the The building used to be an old pharmacy, so it had that built in that built-in pickup window. It was like a pharmacy and a liquor store. Um, so before we got it, it already had that, that pickup window. And I'm telling you that pickup window is a thousand percent. Why like we were busier during COVID and why we're still successful, why we're busy now in the summertime, in the wintertime, if people don't have to get out of their car, I'm telling you, it. I think it makes the decision for them. If they have to, if they want to order food and they want, and they don't have to get out of their car to get it, trust me, people are gonna choose you if they don't have to get out of their car. Oh, without a doubt, dude. If there was a place in my town where I could just drive up and get wings, like, oh fuck yeah, I'd be using that all the time. Um, so, like, what what is your most popular wing sauce that you do that you offer? So we have like 10 different kinds of wings and, and on, on, go on. (laughs) The most popular is the Buffalo, but we have like atomic, we have a honey chipotle. We have like traditional Buffalo. We have a teriyaki Thai chili. We have uh, a Buffalo ranch. We have a lemon pepper. We have a garlic Parmesan. Um, Dude, I want to try all of them. We have a Carolina barbecue, a regular barbecue. We have a sweet and savory dry rub. Do you guys make the, the your dry rubs and your sauces and everything yourselves? Um, we modify some of them, so we'll buy some of the stuff and then we'll and then we'll modify them. Uh, we we have a Jamaican jerk, a Jamaican jerk sauce. Uh, they all sell pretty equally. But the, but the most is probably like just traditional traditional buffalo and then traditional barbecue sauce. Yeah, that, that that's usually how I lean is usually just traditional buffalo. And I've always got a bottle of like Frank's buffalo sauce in my fridge. And I don't always like mix it with butter before putting it on wings. In fact, I almost never do because the Frank's by itself is zero calories and so I don't feel too bad if I'm putting it on chicken because I'm like, hey, I'm adding extra flavor to my chicken and there's no calories. Right. Um, what's your favorite sauce on wings? I like the honey chipotle um, just because it's like a little sweet and a little heat. Um, and then if I'm not doing like if I don't want any heat, the garlic parmesan is really good. Yeah, garlic parmesan like that one. Um, I had some of that uh, B- uh, Buffalo Wild Wings garlic parmesan in my fridge. And actually just had that with some chicken the other night. And I was like, fuck, I always forget how good this is for being one of the, the B-dub sauces that's like not really spicy at all. Right. And like I can always tell like we make our own garlic parmesan because it's literally just butter, garlic and parmesan. And it amazes me when I go other places and I can tell they're using like a pre-made sauce. I'm like, why are you using like a pre-made sauce when it's literally just butter garlic 
in part, <laughs> it, it kills me. Well, there was that, I can't remember the name of the show, but it was on Food Network. Hell, it might still be on there. But it had, I think it was Robert Irving, who's kind of like that big jacked, like, Austrian yeah. chef. Yep. And and he would go into restaurants that are failing and help them out. And like one of the common threads I started noticing amongst all these restaurants that were failing where they were really heavily relying on like buying stuff rather than just making it. And he'd be like, why are you buying this sauce when it's so much easier and cheaper to make? And when you make it yourself, it's going to taste better and that's going to drive more people through your door. And so just just hearing you say that about the the sauce, it really put me in mind of that. Yeah, Restaurant Impossible was the name of the show. That there you go. That was entertaining as hell. I love that guy. I liked it when – um, what was the show he did before that where he would just show up someplace and they'd like – like almost like spring like an event or something on him that he'd have to cook for? I, I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of it on the top. <laughs> Somewhere somebody listening might know this. They'll they'll probably just yell it out loud and, and not not email the show at startcastpod at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like, uh, you, know you, you say that like, and like, they, like, there's another, like right down the street from us, there's like a little burger joint and, um, and like I drive by there in the morning and there's like nobody there. And then I pull up to work and like, we, there's like people at our place a couple hours, even before we open and like, because we have a lot of prep to do, you know, we have to patty our own burgers and we have to slice our own meat. And, and then like, and you say that and because like the other place, there's like nobody there until like they open, which I know for a fact, if you're not there until you open, then you're using a, a frozen pre-pattied burger. You're, you know, you're getting all this stuff because there's nobody there doing prep in the morning. And if there's nobody there doing prep, then you're buying all your, your stuff. You know, so like with like we're there every day in the morning doing all the prep hours before we open, you know, and it just it just it's just the little things like but that's how we've been. That's how we've been successful for for 10 years, because you, you do you you have to you have to use the fresh ingredients. We do patty burgers every day. You know, we do you know, we do we make ranch from scratch. We make ranch every day. We probably make like two to four gallons of ranch every day. <laughs> Dude, a wing place. I bet you go through ranch like fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, we sell the ranch by mason jars because people like it so much. Oh, fuck yeah. That's incredible. There's a, there's a restaurant here in Cedar Rapids called Granite City that has some of the best ranch I've ever had. And, and I've always wondered if they actually sell it. So that's funny that you guys sell it. I mean, you, it, it seems like that's just something as a business owner, you're leaving money on the table. If it's like, hey, this is something we make in-house. There's a demand for it. Let's put this in a mason jar and slap a label on it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't even – we used to print our own labels, but now, fuck it. We don't even We don't even do that. We I just buy the mason jars at Dollar General and then I just fill it up. And, <laughs> you know. That's excellent. Uh, what kind of signature subs do you guys do? Again, we got like 20 different, 20 plus different Fuck subs. Yeah, but, dude. Yeah, you, you really should Google the menu. Um, <laughs> I know just recently, Quentin and I were talking about our love of sandwiches. And so it's like, you got 20 different sandwiches. Tell me about your sandwiches. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you my top, my top four at the, at the restaurant. Yes. I like, I like the steak bomb. 
It's a, you know, thinly shaved steak, mushrooms, peppers, onions, and pepper jacks, pepper jack cheese. So all all our subs are hot. They're all like, they're all hot subs or toasted or whatever. So we don't do any cold subs. Everything's, everything's kind of warm or toasted or hot. Um, so the steak bomb is my favorite. Then my second favorite is a Yero. Um, you know, and our Yeros, it's like the, like the traditional Yero. It's on a non, uh, you know, lettuce, tomato, onion, tzatziki sauce, feta cheese. Uh, then after that is the Cuban. I don't know if you've ever had a Cuban sandwich. Oh, dude, sand- I love Cuban sandwiches. Yep. Uh, we use, we don't. We don't use sliced roast pork, but we use like a, our pulled pork, ham, uh, spicy mustard pickles, and Swiss cheese, and it's pressed oh, on the on, nice. on our sub like our sub bread. Um, and then my fourth favorite would probably be the the Italian. It's uh, Italian dressing, pepperoncinis, uh, pepperoni, ham, salami, capricola. Uh, mozzarella cheese, lettuce, tomato, and onion. Dude, and all that, four of those sandwiches sound incredible. No wonder you yeah. guys are so so successful. Uh, and then I'll just tell you the and then the one that we the sub that we probably sell the most of is called the OMG Turkey. It's um, it's basil mayonnaise and then roasted turkey, and then it has gouda cheese and bacon. And then lettuce and tomato. Holy shit, that sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, thanks. Oh, my God. I'm totally just going to have to take, like, a culinary road trip just to come down. <laughs> and it's like, shit, I'm going to have to figure out how to make this, like, last a little while. Because it's like, there'd be so many things I would want to try. <laughs> like, all five of those sandwiches you just listed, it's like, oh, man. How would those yeah, keep we- on the drive back? <laughs> We do like a thing where you could like a pick two where you could like get two halves. Oh shit, that's an awesome fucking offer, dude. Yeah, we I'll, I'll charge you more though because it's the pain in the ass tax. There should be, dude. That's hilarious. I've always said that there should be a pita tax <laughs> for pain in the ass. <laughs> Look, I I love working in the restaurant business. It's all I've done my whole life in. Multiple reasons. One, I think it keeps me young. I, I mean, I think I'm 48 or 49. I don't, I don't really know how old I am. Uh, but <laughs> look at, I look young as hell. Uh, that might just be the uh, Italian blood that's in me. Good, good genes. I don't know. But I like working in the restaurant business because I'm always surrounded by younger people. And, and I think being around younger people keeps me young at heart. And, and so that aspect of it, I I really do like, and then the older I do get, I still think that you get to, you get to teach younger people, you get to teach them your skill. And then the older I get, I, I think you get to teach them a little bit of your life knowledge too. So, uh, so that aspect of it, I really like that. The, the downfall of working in the restaurant business, and I'm sure it's any other business where you have to work with with the public, is is like the people, <laughs> you know, is dealing with the customers and 
there's you don't know how many times I answer the phone and I take orders over the phone and I roll my eyes <laughs> over the people just just stupid people. I'll tell you the biggest for anybody who's listening. My biggest uh, pet peeve is when you call to place an order and you don't know what you want. Yeah, why have you reached the point where you're placing the call? <laughs> if yeah. you, you're doing this out of order, it's like you I need mean, to look at the website, determine what you want, and then place your order. Yeah, we live in the generation now where like. There's no more paper menus. I mean, we have them, but you don't need them. It's it's all online. You know, when people call me and ask me what kind of subs I have, like I'm like, "Bro, we got 20 different kinds and I cannot read them all to you over the phone." You know, I or what kind of sauces? I'm like, "I just don't have time for that." Or they'll They'll give me their order and then they start yelling to everybody else in the house. Jimmy, what do you want? You know, Cindy, <laughs> what do you, what do you, no, no, no pickles. No, like, how did you not, <laughs> how did you not do this before you picked up the phone? <laughs> Like it, it just blows my mind. Oh, when you work directly with the general public, you get a real, your finger is on the pulse of stupidity. Yeah. Like it, it really is. Like I, when I was in college, I worked for a while at a grocery store and then at a convenience store. And so did lots of like cash register work, lots of customer service. And I, I just couldn't believe the, the amount of just blatant stupidity that's out there. And it's like, damn, these people are out there making decisions. They're on the go. <laughs> it's fucking frightening in some place. some cases with some people. It is absolutely frightening. Yeah, some of them, I just don't know how they got to the age that they're at without getting hit by a bus. <laughs> Walking around staring at their feet. <laughs> right? You know? That, that that's truly the hardest the hardest part about the restaurant business to me is is really is dealing with the you know the the stupid people you know it, and then and then really is nowadays it's just staffing you know and and that's everywhere i'm sure that doesn't even the business that you're in any anybody's business now it's just really finding the employees to to keep up with the the demand of the business. And, you know, there's been times where we'd have to close one day a week just because we don't have the staff to, to stay open. Oh, wow. Uh, there was, um, gosh, it might've been when we were in Colorado and I think we took that vacation in 2021 and we pulled up to a Sonic and the boys had never had Sonic before. So we were kind of like excited to like, hey, this is a new fast food you can try. Never had this one before. And look, it's weird how you have to order. And I'm like sitting there, like push the button, push the button, nothing. And so then I back out. And keep in mind, I'm not the only person in this Sonic, like parked at one of the drive up menu things. And so then I back out and drive through the drive through. And sure enough, there's a sign taped to the window saying, you know, sorry, we're closed. You know, no workers. And I was like, right. oh, shit. And, you know, there was plenty of people that were trying to go there. And then there was even some, I know there was like a, a, a Wendy's that I would drive past every day that I haven't seen the lights on it 
on and forever. And I think it's kind of that same situation. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it seems to come in waves, like where we seem to be fine with Steph, you know, and then and then there's times where, where we're not, you know, like when kids when the kids went back to college, we seemed to it was we we got tight for a little bit. And now now we seem to be all right. But I don't I don't really know. I don't really have an explanation. I don't know why every I drive around town and I still see we're hiring help wanted constantly. I don't know how we have an unemployment problem in, in this country because every place I look is hiring. Um, yeah, it does seem like there's lots of places hiring right now. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, so I don't, I don't, I don't have an answer for it, you know? And like before we used to have stacks of applications. Now I, I, I don't ever see an application come in. Wow, you know? I'm sure it'll bounce back. It's probably just it's still the effects of the pandemic and, you know, shit like that. But eventually people are going to need work. Every day there's there's more kids out there turning 16 that are ready for their first job. And, you know, something like a, a restaurant, like Aiden's 15. And I tell him all the time, there's a, a restaurant here in our small town. And I'm like, like, you could probably get a job there. Do as like a dishwasher, a busboy, or something like that, and you know you're gonna have to have some thick skin going in there. You'll have to get used to probably people fucking yelling at you and shit like that because it will happen, right? But I was like entry level job, and it's in the same small town that we live in, and I'm pretty sure there's always a help wanted sign in the window. I'm sure you've I'm sure you've said this on a previous podcast, but what was your first job? Oh, let's see. It was it was. In the small town that I grew up in, there was a freight company that they, he didn't do like full blown, like, you know, like semi tractor trailers. It was just all like the straight trucks. And the first job I ever had was like loading and unloading those trucks. And so right when I was 16, I learned how to drive a forklift. I had to learn how to drive those trucks. I had to drive them a couple blocks down the street to refuel them. Had to learn how to back the fucking things up into a garage door where there was very little room for error. And it was, that was the part I hated the most was driving this truck that was a stick shift. And I was, I mean, granted, I, one of the vehicles I learned to drive on was my dad's 79 F-150 that, that had a, a four speed transmission in it. And so I, you know, I, I knew how to drive a stick, but these big trucks just, it felt so much different. And so there was lots of me just like <laughs> totally fucking killing it, you know? learning how to drive this thing. But that was my first experience, like feeling up diesel trucks and shit like that and coming home smelling like diesel fuel and, and forklift exhaust and um, did that for a little while and then eventually got a job in Cedar Rapids, which was the, the larger city next to the small town that I grew up with. It was like 13 miles away or some shit like that and actually got a job at a, a Hardee's. Uh, working in the back, so doing cooking and dishes and and stuff like that. And I did that for a little while, and then uh, moved on. Got a job at a pizza place in the small town I worked at, and started off doing deliveries. And then I was my first car was an '83 Mustang, and when I got it, it had. I think it only had like 70,000 miles or something like that on it. And so when I started delivering pizza, I told the boss that, you know, 
once I got to the point where I was getting, where I put a, my car rolled over a hundred thousand miles, I was like, I don't really want to use it for deliveries anymore. Cause it was the sort of place where you had to use your own vehicle for delivery. And so they were totally fine with transitioning me into the restaurant. And so then I only delivered every once in a while. And I primarily made all the pizzas and breadsticks and kind of ran the ovens, answered phones, all that shit. And I did that for a while. And then after that, I started working at a grocery store in Cedar Rapids and they had a deli department. And since I had all this food service experience, I specifically told them in the interview process, I was like, I don't want to do food service anymore. I'm really over mopping floors and doing dishes and, you know, like just dealing with food waste and all that stuff. And they're like, oh, but you have all this experience. And it's like, yeah, I know <laughs> experience that I don't want to do it anymore. And but sure enough, they're like, well, we'll hire you right now if you'll do this and we'll pay you an extra 50 cents an hour. And I'm like, all right, fine. And so I took that with the understanding of, but as soon as there's other shit available in the store, I want to move out. And I don't care if you have me pushing carts, stocking shelves, whatever. But I think I was stuck in that deli for like a year or so before I moved out. But my first few jobs I had, like, a, a, were, had a, a, well, at least a couple of them had a pretty heavy food service uh, bend to it. And it had its moments. But yeah, it, it was also, you know... It, it had its moments where I liked it and it had its moments where I was like, oh, I'm so tired of <laughs> dealing with food and dealing with people. And and also like part of it was just being in a grocery store, you know, it's like if you're doing like the deli counter where like all the, the meat and cheese are and stuff and you've just finished for the night, you've got everything covered in saran wrap. It's five minutes until the deli closes. The slicers are all cleaned and everything. And then someone shows up being like, I want my turkey shaved thinner than that. And it's like, oh, fuck me. That sort of shit, you know? I think, well, I think everybody should kind of work in the food industry just for a little bit, just so they should, just so they can, just so they know how to fucking act when they go to (laughs) To give them a little bit of empathy. Right. Uh, Like on a plane, it should be required that they have to watch the movie Waiting. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. <laughs> Dude, I, with- I own the unrated version on DVD. I love that movie. <laughs> it should that should be it should be a requirement. It should be part of <laughs> or or on an airplane mandatory viewing, so that way you just know how to act in a restaurant. You know, you don't <laughs> fuck with the server. You don't you don't come to a restaurant five minutes before it closes. Yeah, exactly. Like, or even if it's like, I I don't know what, what is the cut? What, what is your ideal cutoff? And and maybe this is a tricky question for you because you're both work in a restaurant and own the place. So you might be like, fuck it. Five minutes to close. Come in. I want your money. (laughs) Me personally, I won't dine in to a place probably 20 minutes before it closes. Um, and then if I'm taken out probably 15 minutes before it closes. Um, but for me, we, we close at eight o'clock. We're 11 to eight, seven days a week. As a business owner, I'll take the order up until eight o'clock because it's eight o'clock and it's pretty early. Um, do I think you're kind of still an asshole if you order at 7.59? Yeah. But will I take your money? Yes. <laughs> I respect that answer. Y- y- you know, but again, like 
you know we close at 8 o'clock. Do you really want to be that guy that orders at 7.55? If you do want to be that guy, then then go ahead, order. And I mean, we're still going to cook your food. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you want me to come to your business? Even if you work, <laughs> even if you work at like JCPenney's or no matter what you do, do you want me to come to your place of business right before you close and then keep you there longer? No matter what you do, I don't think anybody has the answer yes to that question, you know? Yeah, no, that's super valid. <laughs> super valid because it, it's, uh, yeah, no, I, it it totally puts me, like, you bring up waiting and it totally makes me think of that scene towards the end of the movie where the people come in, like, right before close. Doesn't the guy order a steak with ketchup and then he doesn't right. even tip? Yeah. Or, like, leaves a shit tip and so the guy, the, the server, like, puts it back in his hand and he's like, you need this more than I do. Right. <laughs> it's fucking classic. <laughs> yeah, that movie had to have been written by people that were in the in the industry. <laughs> they just got too many things dead on. Yeah, because it I mean, it's a little embellished, but but every the underlining tone is is there. That's excellent. It's been like that movie mostly just exists in my memory at this point. It's been like shit, probably well over a decade since I've watched it. I mean, I I own the unrated version. It's on DVD, so I mean, it's pretty old media. Yeah, that that movie is my life. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, I know just recently you got back from a trip to London. So what was that all about, and what was that like? London was an experience and I'm super pleased that, uh, you know, I went with Mark, my podcast buddy. Um, we tried to actually go to London before COVID. Um, so a couple years ago was when we originally planned. Um, but then, you know, COVID set us back a couple years and I didn't want, we didn't want to go obviously, you know, during it because you know i didn't know well yeah, not a, the best time it. not the best time to be a tourist right and i didn't want to get stuck out of country or go and get locked into a hotel room you know so the plans got got postponed until everything kind of cleared up um but london london was great um it's been something like I, I love English television. I love English like TV shows and just the English culture. And like I grew up in Massachusetts, so there's a lot. And I'm big on like American history and the American Revolution. Um, so for some reason, I have a connection. I guess I, I feel like I have a connection to, to that kind of culture or whatever. Uh, so it's just someplace, something that I wanted to do for a really long time. Uh, and finally got a chance to go over there and to visit. And I, England being a small country and that you could go kind of like three hours in any direction and kind of be out of that country. In my brain, I thought that London was going to be a small city. But let me tell you, London is not a small city. London is a very big city and is very populated. London, I think, is I heard was like three times bigger than New York City. So 
the population there was just huge. Anywhere you went, it was there was a ton of people, just a ton of people. So that was a little overwhelming because I live in a small town. Like I think we live in a town with like 25, 30,000 people, you know, uh, but the experience was just once in a lifetime. Like I said, it was something that I always wanted to do. Um, but we, me and Mark went for London comic con. That was, that was the reason to go. Um, but we also did all the tourism sightseeing stuff. So we, we did the Westminster Abbey and the Parliament and London Bridge. And, you know, we did all the touristy shit too. But then we also went to London Comic Con, which was, which was really cool. Except like, um, you know, we go to C2E2 that has like, Let's say on Saturday, C2E2 has like 60, 70,000 people. Um, did I lose you, Joe? No, I'm just listening. Okay. okay. Uh, and so like C2E2 on Saturday, let's say at the peak, and you know Saturday at C2E2 is assholes to elbows. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking busy on a Saturday. London Comic Con on Saturday – about 130 to 140,000 people. Oh, damn. Yeah, it's just packed. Now, they use a lot more space, so they definitely spread it out. Um, but I, I think C2E2 in Chicago, they have a lot more going on. They have a lot more um, like mini rooms and a lot more – just a lot more events going on. And then London, but the London, London Comic Con was good. I, again, everything was an experience, and it and it what threw me back was just the amount of people constantly um, that you had to deal with. And I guess it's just because I'm not from a big city that I'm just not used to. I'm just not used to it. Uh, but the the tube using the tube was was super fun. Me and Mark mastered the traveling around london but with the underground that was super fun <laughs> nice i mean it was a double decker bus i i did <laughs> I but, say, i'm pretty uh, sure that was on your checklist wasn't it it, it was we got <laughs> me and Mark, we got on one for about 20 minutes we went about a quarter of a mile and then we were like uh fuck this let's get off because we didn't go nowhere because the traffic is so bad in that city Oh, I can imagine. Uh, it was just like, okay, let's get on it. And then uh, we got on it, went like absolutely nowhere, and then got off. Uh, we did one of the river taxis, which was really cool because you just ride up and down like the Thames River. <laughs> yeah, the Thames. The Thames, yeah. So like we, I checked off everything that we wanted to do. We We went to four different museums in London which was really cool because they're all free. Uh, they're all free to get in. You just have to go online. Oh, that's and incredible. And yeah. that's the way fucking museums should be. Yeah. And that really, in like, how cool were the museums there? They were all really cool. They, I they imagine, were, dude. they were just all really, really packed. There was a lot of people in all of them. That reminds me of a joke. Do you do you know why the pyramids are the Great Pyramids are in Egypt? 
No. <laughs> because they couldn't be carried to the British Museum. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that, that's probably not the funniest joke, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, wow, well, let's laugh at them raping people's cultures, Joe. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> you went and fucking saw it, though, so... <laughs> Boo, Lenny. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, just recently, I was telling my kids, I was, because um, they were asking questions about bigger cities and stuff like that. Because the town we live in, it's like, I don't know, it's like, uh, I know in 2008, when the big flood happened, I think there was only around a thousand people in town. And it's gotten bigger, but I doubt we're like, we've doubled since then. So I'd say there's a little over a thousand people in the little town I live in. And I was telling the kids, I was like, well, if you guys want to go to a, a big city sometime, I can take you to Chicago. It'd be really fun to go around to the different museums and stuff. Um, because uh, I went to those when I was in high school, and I loved going to those museums. I thought there was so much cool stuff to see. And uh, the Field Museum in Chicago has got the lions from the Ghost in the Darkness. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I Is that with Val Kilmer? Yeah, and Michael Douglas, where they're fighting the lions. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So the actual lions, because that's based on a true story, the Savo lions, they're they're in the field museum in Chicago. Nice. Yeah. Because it says that at the end of the movie that if you want to see these lions today, you have to go to America and go to the field museum in Chicago. And so right when I found out that that was on the agenda for the senior science trip, I was like, I must find this display. And I found it. And it was like one of the only pictures I took on the trip. <laughs> I was like, it's the actual fucking lions that killed 120 workers. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, the the museums were really they they were really really cool. I I did enjoy them. Uh, what else did we? We went to a castle in in England, which I've never been to a real castle before. You know, like that was on a bucket list to to kind of go see, and that was really cool. Yeah, there's not too many of those in America, really. No, <laughs> you know, <no. laughs> really kind of a like a European thing. You go see the classic castles and stuff. That'd be amazing. That'd be one of the things on my list if I were to go to England. Um, I've been wanting to go there for years, too. It'd just be so cool. We took a two-hour train, like, I don't know if it was west or east, out of the city, which was really neat to get out of the city for a day. Um which and it pretty much looked like kind of like where we live, Middle America. Um, except when you were traveling, you didn't see cows in the field. You saw lambs or sheep. Ah, oh, okay. You know when you you drive out here and you you look in the big pastures and stuff, you always see cows. Lots of cows. All I saw when we were on the train was just sheep. So that that was kind of weird to see. Like I don't, I, I've never really seen sheep out here. <laughs> Did they eat like lots of lamb meat and stuff there? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I just because I know we have lots of cattle here in the states, just because there's you know so much beef production and stuff like that. And um, one of the places I used to go out and rock climb all the time was a dairy farm, and so that was pretty cool because all of his cattle were primarily just used for for milking and that guy had like a robotic milking parlor and everything it was pretty amazing it it's just like to me it's so it was so different but yet so the same and i know that doesn't make any sense 
But no, it, I, I get it because um, when my wife and I went to Germany in 2017, that's kind of the way I'd describe it. Is that it's like you know, it, it's still the human experience, but the culture is is different, and and the things that you're looking at are subtly different as well. And you know, the joy is in in experiencing those differences. Yeah, and and it's kind of like, and then like how big the world is, but then again, how small it is. And and I know I'm like contradicting myself by those words, but like, like the world is huge, but then like, but it's really not, you know, you know, like, I don't know. I, I don't, I, it's hard for me to put in the world words, how, how it felt to be there and how to, to experience the, the experience of, of what I was experiencing because like the world is a big place, but, but it's, it, it's really not. We can, we can, I can, we can go wherever we want now in, in London, you hear so many different languages. Like half the times I didn't hear English. I heard every other language that I really couldn't identify. I mean, I could kind of guess that if it was German or if it was French or, you know, uh, but you hear just so many more cultures and languages than I, I don't ever hear on a daily basis, you know, like the world is just so big, but then you go to this city where it's just so multicultural that we just, that I don't have on a daily, on a daily basis, you know, it just, it makes me feel so much smaller Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, it's just it, it it was just such a great experience. And I grew up in Massachusetts and I grew up close to Boston, but that's still nothing compared to what I experienced when when I was in London. It just I don't know. I don't want to say it was humbling. It was just it was just such a like a, an experience just to take it all in and just to realize like the whole the world in general. It's just like like I'm just such a we are just such a tiny little bit of of it compared to everything else that's all around us. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like the time that we've been on this planet is like a blink of an eye, you know, on the time scale of the planet too. So it's really wild when you look at it that way. Yeah, it. it like essentially, if you spread out the age of the planet into like a calendar year. We're at like eleven fifty nine on December thirty first. Right. You know, the the amount of time that we've been here in, in relation to how old the planet actually is, which is like I don't know, like four and a half billion years old or some shit like that, which is like a number that's so big that it's like you can't even wrap your mind around deep time like that. It's yeah. wild shit. Was that your first time being out of the country? I I've been to Mexico and I've been to Canada, but Mexico, like Montreal and Cancun, it was just like America. You know, it it wasn't really any different. That was the first time I think to me experiencing like multiple like multiple different kind of cultures in in one area. You know, that it actually felt different than being than than being in like than than America type feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. gotcha. Like yeah, I've left the country, but not, not like that. 
How was your flight? It wasn't that bad. Eight hours, eight hours on the plane. It actually went by pretty fast. I mean, we flew from St. Louis to Chicago um, and then from Chicago to London. And uh, it actually went by pretty fast. Uh, on the way back, I watched Nope. Oh, watched- sweet. What'd you think of it? I didn't. I, I liked it. I, you I know, liked it, too. It was my first Jordan Peele movie, too. Yeah, I watched Nope. I watched Fletch, the new Fletch. And uh, confess Fletch. Yeah. And what and then the unbearable weight of being Nick Cage. Oh, <laughs> what'd you think of that? So here's my theory. I liked all three of these movies. And I think I enjoyed them because I had nothing better to do. <laughs> So when you're like a a hostage in front of a television that's entertaining. (laughs) Right. Like I'm stuck on this airplane for eight hours. And so my mind really couldn't wander like, oh, I could be doing this or I could be like. So I I did. I enjoyed all of them. You know, it made the eight hour flight go by. (laughs) When I was on the flight home from Germany, I watched that uh, mummy movie with Tom Cruise in it. And, And that was more or less my same experience with that. I was like, it wasn't a great movie, but I mean, it killed like two hours of this nine hour flight home. So that's cool. Yeah. What else was in London that was really good? So we, we stayed in the area of London called Whitechapel. Okay. It was in the area where all the Jack the Ripper murders took place. Um, That's creepy. Yeah. So in the very first night that we were there, we took a, a walking tour of the Jack Jack the Ripper murders, and that was really interesting. They walked us around that part of London, and like, oh, here's where one murder was, and here's where another one was. And but they gave you the history of what was going on at that time period, and like what the women did, and you know how they were murdered, and and that was actually a really cool tour to walk around the city. I think me and Mark, we averaged about 10 miles a day walking. Damn. One day we did 13 13 miles. (laughs) I'd bet, dude. I mean, because big cities like that, it's probably more conducive to to walking than anything else. And especially if you're walking to the tube and then walking to your destination afterwards and stuff. Um like I the the time I went to Chicago and did super touristy shit, like I I bet we walked probably over ten miles in that day, and it just seemed like it was just so much easier to get around the city on foot, and you know like go to this bus stop, go to this train station, you know that sort of stuff. Yeah, it would. You, you pull it up on Google Maps, and it's like twenty five minutes by car, you know, uh, eighteen minutes by tube. Or twenty minutes by walk. Like I'm like, oh, looks like we're walking, Mark. <laughs> yeah, twenty minute start, walks, nothing. We just start hoofing it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a great experience. It it was one of those things like where I'm like, look at in this lifetime, if there's something that you want to do, you know, life is short, and it really is, and. If there's something that you want to do, you really need to put it on that list, set a goal, 
and and just do it, you know. Um, and you really should. If there's anything that you want to do, don't. Anytime you don't do something, you're just making an excuse to not do it. You know, you you really should. If there's something that you want to do in this lifetime, you really need to just set your mind to it, set a goal, and then and then try to do it because life life is can be shot. You just don't know. Um, so this was just another rem- reminder for me of because I wanted to go to London for years, and this just proved to me. I'm so glad that I went because it was something that I wanted to do. Um, it was just another reminder of, you know, when like, when there's something that you want to do in this life, you really need to just, to just make sure you do it because it, that's kind of what life is about. You know, like I'm a workaholic. I work a lot. Um, and sometimes I forget to, to do these kind of things. Um, and this was just a reminder for me to, you know, when you do want to do something, you have something that you want to do, that it's not always about work, uh, that that you need to take the time out into and to do the things that you really want to do to to kind of fulfill yourself and to fill fulfill your your life needs and goals. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, it, um, I think it was on Walden Pond, the uh, Henry David Thoreau book where he talks about spending the the best years of your life working towards a, a future that is entirely uncertain and and what a pity that is that you know maybe you're going to spend these best years of your life toiling and just keep thinking oh someday I'm going to be able to go do this and then before you get an opportunity to maybe maybe the universe has different plans for you and you drop dead of a massive heart attack and and you just spent your entire life working and you never actually took the time to do those things that, that, you know, make life so beautiful. And, you know, there, there's certainly something to be said for having a strong work ethic and, and, and working hard and, and applying yourself in that way. But if there's no sort of reward to it, then what's it all for? Yeah, I agree. You know, like, in and to do it when you're kind of young so you can kind of enjoy it you know like you don't want to do it when you're 75 <laughs> you know <laughs> i don't know maybe you do but you know i guess i could have i i guess you can still enjoy stuff when you're 75 but like i don't know like i i i kind of had this mentality like you know I'd rather burn out than fade away. <laughs> okay, Kiergan. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, but like you know, but that's that's kind of how I feel. Like you know, I just I'd rather do things when I'm young, you know, and and and, and enjoy them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that, I mean, that that's kind of the philosophy that Lindsay and I have, where we we drag the kids all over the place to like go hiking in these different beautiful areas. And what's funny is that that our youngest kid like complains about it all the time. And he's like, we're just going someplace to walk and it's just rocks to look at and stuff. I'm like, someday when you're an adult, you're going to look back on this and think that you had a pretty fucking magical childhood. Right. That that you got to visit all these places and see all these natural wonders that right now you take for granted. There's lots of people who grow up in cities that, you know, they've never even seen like a full sky worth of stars at night because there's so much light pollution. They don't see that shit or they've never, they've never stood next to a waterfall 
or 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 you know next to a a sandstone wall that's like 200 feet tall that makes you feel very small next to it you know it's this is stuff that lots of kids your age never get to see and someday you'll appreciate it. I know right now you're just obsessed with how many miles is this walk that we're going to make you do and what can you get out of it in return. He's a good little negotiator that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I was, look, recently I've been trying to talk him into doing another giant ass hike. And I'm like, okay, so what if, what if you go out and you do a six mile hike with us? You don't complain at all. That's not bitching about one single thing. And then when we get home, I'll buy you a PlayStation 4. He's like, mm, no deal. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you won't go and walk six miles in the woods for the PS4 that you claim to want so bad? And he's like, mm, no. That's <laughs> like, yeah, because you know you can't do it without complaining the whole time. <laughs> Which it's like, even though he does complain the whole time, he's usually the one that's way out in front of us on the hike. And like, he'll do sections of it like at a run and stuff. And it's like, dude, look at all this energy you have. And you're complaining the hardest. At this point, I think it's just part of his game. Right. <laughs> I'm really impressed that you knew my Highlander reference. Oh, of course, dude. I fucking love Highlander. <laughs> I'm one of the weirdos who actually kind of enjoyed the sequel, too. <laughs> the sequel's fucking bonkers. Oh, that's good stuff. Um, yeah, so uh, your other podcast that we didn't talk about earlier, Nerdaholics, what's going on there? Gosh, nerdaholics! I don't know. I don't know what episode we're on. A hundred, maybe, or I think we just we got to a hundred. So it probably started off with like an every week, and then it was like every two weeks, and then it was like every month. And I don't know when we do it now. Every so often, it's again nerdaholics is just like another pop culture review stuff. But like me and Mark are both restaurant people, so again, it's just the kind of. Uh, it's just we just talk about TV shows and movies, but it's kind of like um, like restaurant kind of talk, like you know, like it's a podcast, like we how you would talk if you were on the line. Hey, did you see? Do you see you know so and so show last night? And then you just kind of talk about it. You know, that's kind of how it all came about. Probably around the same time that all the other podcasts you know, popped up. So, I mean, it's pretty much just the same old pop culture review show. And it's, I guess it's more so just for me and Mark really, but it, but it's, again, it's, it's kind of the same old, you know, the, what we would talk about when we were at work. Now we just record it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You, you know, just the same kind of the same banter that you'd have when you were at work talking about, you know, last night's Survivor episode. The only difference is now you're just recording it. But we we have done it for years. But but now we only really do it like once a month. Um, and we just uh, like write. Well, I write down on pen and paper everything that I watch <laughs> and and he puts it in his phone. Uh and then we just talk about, you know, TV shows and movies that we, that we watch, you know, like in like, and like I said, watch your story. Um, you know, yeah, we, we talk to the army members and then we ask them questions, but you know, originally like the, the, watch your story. Like, I think everybody has a story. Um, 
you know what, no matter who you are, you have like a life story. And originally, I think I was in, I was visiting Boston and we were downtown and I think they were, they were just like these two young kids and uh, they were at like the bus station or whatever. And they were holding up a sign asking for money. And my original thought was like, I'll give you money, but I want to know, I want to know your story. I want to know how you got to this point where you're now at the bus station holding this cowboy sign asking for money. And that was what was in my brain because everybody has a story and, and that's what I want to know, you know? So in the back of my mind, that's kind of like, and I still, that's, that was like the original concept of what's your story. We just kind of like transformed it to army members. But originally that's kind of where like the, what's your story comes from because like, I could do what's your story to anybody. I could do it to a complete stranger because like I said, everybody you you know has a story. They have a life story. You just got to sit down and ask them and they'll tell you, you know, and, and the whole point of it, like when I saw those two kids, I just wanted to know how they got to, to that point of where they were needing money to get home. You know, uh, I'm sure it was probably drugs or whatever, but you know, regardless, even if it was, I still wanted to know, I still wanted to know it. I wanted to know how and why they got to that point. You know, I don't know. That <laughs> Pokemon go, man. <laughs> had to collect them all. You know, before you knew it, I'm at the bus stop. <laughs> Everybody has a story. Everybody does. <laughs> No, that's true. Most, yeah. I mean, everybody has one. And then it just comes down to a degree of, you know, trying to get that story out of them. <laughs> and that's why, like, you guys coming in with, like, all your, like, prepared questions and everything like that. It's, you know, it works out really well, especially for for scenarios where, you know, you might have somebody that's like, oh, I'm excited to be on a podcast. And then they get on and they're like, whoa, I'm really nervous. I'm going to answer in two word sentences. And, you know, you're able to kind of break them out of that mold by having just a bunch of questions prepared like that. And um, I I always find what's your story to be a very entertaining listen. And I think you and Mark do a great job with that. And they're, they're always fun episodes. Yeah. I mean, I think human nature, people like to talk about themselves. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> So, so once you get them started, it's, it's really not, not hard. And like, I'll, I'll peep their Facebook and then I can scroll through and see what their, what, what they post about or what their, you know, interests are. And then you just kind of lead them down a path and, and they'll just talk to you, you know, learning about people is super interesting, you know, to me it is. Oh yeah. No, I get what you mean. And, um, <laughs> every, every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on what's your story? Do you have that on about a monthly schedule as well? Yeah. No, like we try, it's just like life gets busy, <laughs> you know? Oh, I know. 
in, in, in life, uh, what's your story is really enjoyable to do. So like, I don't know why we, we don't do it more. Like you, you've been really good at, at being on a regular schedule and, and, and pumping out a start cast on a, on a regular basis. And, and, and we really should too, but like, it's just so hard. Like, I like I said I work a lot. We do your what's your stories on like Monday or Tuesday nights. But like if I'm only off one day a week, and then I'm like, oh, do I really want to line up a person? And because it's and, work, it's like somebody might be like, oh, you, it's a podcast. You're just doing. It's like no, it's a job. If you're taking it seriously, it's a job. It's it's a it's a job that that a lot of people who just like are hobbyists in in podcasting a job they either do for free. Or that literally costs them money to pay a hosting site every month. So, and and I think that's why a lot of shows don't even make it to ten episodes. Is because people think that oh, I have fun listening to podcasts. I like talking to people. I have a group of friends. We talk about stuff, and it's great. And then between coordinating schedules, and then realizing that if you're going to grow an audience, you really need to release on a regular schedule. It doesn't take long before it starts feeling like a legitimate job, and. And so I, I totally get where you're coming from with that. And yeah, cause with Starcast, when I was just leaving it like up in the, in the air and be like, Oh yeah, I might schedule somebody two weeks out or something like that. It was so easy to like have the weekend come up and be like, fuck, I just worked all week. I I'd really like to have two days off work. I'm not going to schedule something this week. And then before you know it, it's been a month before I've had a new episode out, and then I'm feeling guilty about it. <laughs> and so when when I finally got serious about it and just put together the spreadsheet, and it's like, all right, I'm just going to try and record every Friday night. And if I have somebody's name on the schedule, I'm going to feel far more guilty about calling up and canceling on that person and letting them down than, right. than I will feel badly about having to work on a Friday night. And so... It's it's worked out really well that way, and 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 I look at it like a gift from the gods when somebody cancels on me, I'm, <laughs> because I'm like, even if it's five minutes beforehand. On the one hand, hey, fuck you for fucking up my schedule that week, but on the other hand, you canceled plans. I got, I've got a throbbing hard dick right now. I'm lightheaded. I'm so excited. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I have very mixed feelings about it when people cancel on me. <laughs> right. It's like. You know, like we should do more of them, but like I said, when, when it's your only night off that week and you're like, Oh, I, now I have to be home at seven o'clock and well, now I can't go see a movie because I got to be home so that I can talk to people. And it is enjoyable to do, but like, like you said, it is a commitment. Now you can't do something else because you have to do that. So and like I said, and just like like life just gets in the way sometimes, you know. They're enjoyable to do. We should do more of them, but sometimes you just you just can't. Oh, and and I can only imagine how much more stress you'd be under on a weekly basis being the business owner. I mean, that's the the like my my primary job that I do that I never talk about on the show. Um, but it's you know it keeps me busy forty hours a week, and. The nice thing about my job is since I'm just a worker bee, you know, when, when four o'clock rolls around and I'm done for the day, I, it's pretty easy for me to not think about work anymore until that next morning because I don't really need to. Right. But man, when you're the business owner and like your livelihood is hanging on it, like 
how do you get off work and shut that off and not think about it? I bet in many cases you really can't. Yeah. When, when I was in London, I didn't really think about work at all because I'm so far away that there's, there was nothing I can do. I bet that was pretty nice in a way. It it really was, (laughs) you know, but then what, but like I came back and I work, I've worked like I came back on Wednesday and I work a double Thursday, double Friday, double Saturday, double Sunday. So I work eight to eight, all three of those, all four of those days. Holy you know? shit. Eight to eight. Yeah. Okay. So that means you're coming in the morning, you're doing your prep work and then you're pretty much staying till close. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave in the, like the mid and I'll come back home. I'll let my dog out. If I have to run any errands, like I went to like today, I let my dog out. I had to go to Target. I had to get gas in my car. So I'll take a, like a little break in the afternoon, but then you, then I got to go back to work, you know, and I got out of there at like almost eight thirty tonight. Wow. And, and I usually do that like five days a week. So it's a, it's a, it's a full-time job and like, but I don't, it's, it's the restaurant business. I mean, I probably work more than I should, you know, uh, I guess, but it's a choice, you know? Uh, (laughs) Well, you know, when it's your business and it's your livelihood, you know, it's, it's gotta be a different, an absolutely different feeling. It, it it really is no, no matter I, and we have great employees and I've had people that have been with us for years and um, but nobody's going to take care of your place like you are. Yeah, exactly. It's just the difference between being the, the, the owner or an employee. Yeah. The, it, they're just, it's just, they're just not. And that's how, that's how we and my brother have been successful because we both, put our all in, into our business, you know? So what are you primarily doing during that time? Are you usually cooking? Oh, no. And I don't, I don't, I do most of the front of the house stuff. So I do like do prep work and stuff in the morning. And then I stay out front and my brother is stays in back. So he does more of the cooking and I do more of like the, I do like, I'll take orders and work the register and I'll help the girls out front and serve tables. Um, I, I've, I've done enough cooking now that I'm just like over it. <laughs> no, I feel you, dude. That's, that's kind of where I got, like when I was doing food service, it just got to the point where I was like, God, if I, if I have to like, like clean, like dried mashed potatoes out of one more like stainless steel, you know, like steam well container or burn the shit out of my fingertips, like taking them all out of the steam well, like that sort of stuff is just lots of little things. But then there was other parts of that industry that it was just so much fun to do. And um, like, did you, did you watch the, the, the TV show, the bear that, that premiered this year? Oh yeah, I liked it. I, I was going to ask if if you saw it and if so what were your thoughts on it? Um, I liked it a lot. Uh because that that I I felt like was a a pretty fair shake of kind of how I remember how hectic like kitchens could be. But then also the camaraderie of the different people that were going through it all together and 
that was the part of the job that was fun. Yeah, it it again, it was it was pretty accurate. I definitely think it was written by somebody that was in the industry. Um, I like watching. I love watching industry industry shows. You know, I I I enjoyed it a lot, and like it was weird. I started watching it, and I didn't know Hulu dropped the whole season pretty much all at once because I watched one episode and then I watched another episode and then I ended up watching like three or four episodes in one night. I'm like, man, I really need to go to go to bed, but this show is really good. Uh, I ended up killing it in like three nights because because I it was really it was really enjoyable. Yeah, I thought it was great, too. It had a really, really fantastic finish, too. Um, I was familiar with that main character from when he was on Shameless, too. Yeah, uh, Lip. Yeah, Lip on Shameless, yeah. I don't know what the actor I don't know what his real name is, but yeah. Uh, he was- Jeremy, Jeremy White. There might be a middle name in there that I'm leaving out, but I'm pretty sure his first and last name is Jeremy White. Yeah, he, he's a re- he was really good. Yeah, he... All, all those... If the industry shows are done well, people people will get it and and they'll like it. If they're not, they'll definitely tear it up. Uh, Jeremy Allen White. You know, I would have guessed Allen. I should have just rolled with it. <laughs> Come on, Joe. <laughs> but like you've got you got whiskey confidence right now. Just fucking say it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Almost everybody listening to this has got Google. Fact check yourself. Fact check me yourself. Right. <laughs> Don't fail don't me. Don't at me. <laughs> so, so who's your who's your next guest? Because I who's gonna follow me, and so I know who the who's gonna who I'm up against. Who is before me? Uh, Quentin was on last week. Okay. See, a school teacher. These guys are all. <laughs> I think. I think next week. I might have taken the week off because Friday is eleven eleven, And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to take eleven eleven off because that's kind of a special day. And so, yeah, yeah. No, I don't have an episode scheduled for next week. But then the following week, I'm having Rebecca Daling on. Okay. And then the week after that is the Thanksgiving week. And I don't have something in there yet because it's like, how do you, how you reach out to somebody and be like, hey. You want a podcast on the Friday after Thanksgiving? Like, what right. an asshole question. <laughs> um, but I, I've kind of got an idea for what I'm going to do that week. And, yeah. So, yeah. Next week, no episode, but then the week after that will be Rebecca. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm so excited to talk to Rebecca. I feel like it's been forever since I've talked to her, and she's always so great to talk to. Yeah, the, the last time I think you talked to Rebecca was when it was you and uh, Rebecca and Jesse, right? I remember I had Rebecca on with with um, uh, Basil Terabishi a long time ago. I'm trying to think the last time I had Rebecca on. I don't know if I had her with anybody else. I could have sworn I listened to you, Rebecca, and Jesse talk about something. <laughs> Jesse Candelori? I had uh-huh. I had her on on a solo episode, re- um, I say recently, and it was probably like several weeks ago. Time is very, very slippery in my head sometimes. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll say something to my wife. I'll be like, the other day. And she'll be like, that was four months ago. And I'm like, really? Already? <laughs> Fuck. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Thanksgiving, 
do you guys do big family thing? Oh, what do this year? Yeah, we're doing something on Thanksgiving Day with my mom and dad. And then I'm not sure if we're going to do something Thanksgiving Day like earlier in the day all with Lindsay's side of the family or if we're going to do it like on the Saturday. I'm not sure. Yeah, because I told her, I was like, I'd be fine with it either way. It'd be cool to knock everything out in one day. But it's like, if, if we're going over to, you know, if we're doing stuff with your side of the family beforehand, then I'm definitely not going to eat hardly anything knowing that I'm going to have another meal at my mom and dad's that that evening. So I guess that's the one bad part about doing everything in one day is, you know, it's like, come on, I, I, I could have two days of awesome meals. Right. Or two awesome meals in one day. Well, decisions, decisions. Yeah, I, I think out of all the holiday, I think Thanksgiving's my favorite. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like the traditional Thanksgiving food a lot. Whether it's either ham or turkey, you know, mashed potatoes and gravy, stuffing, green bean casserole. You know, you, you can feed that to me any day of the week, and I'm going to be absolutely thrilled. Um. And I, I know my mom said she's doing like a traditional Thanksgiving, um, a traditional Thanksgiving meal. I'll have to reach out and see how she's doing the turkey. I hope dad's doing it. My dad has a, a pellet smoker that's like the biggest one that Green Mountain Grills makes. It's like the Jim Bowie one where you can probably do like fucking eight racks of ribs in the thing. Nice. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> I have like the mid-sized uh, Green Mountain Grill one, and it makes Dad's smoker makes mine look small, and mine's big. I I can easily do four racks of ribs just on the the one level in it, and I haven't even done the aftermarket shit to put like a second level in it or anything. But um, yeah, yeah. I hope he's smoking a turkey. Is basically the long-winded thing of what I'm getting at. Have you ever had deep-fried turkey? Yeah, I've had that too. Um, I just, I, I love smoked meats, man. Like I smoked turkey. Um, this Sunday, I'm probably going to smoke a, a pork butt and make pulled pork sandwiches. I'm so fucking stoked for that. Sounds delicious. <laughs> Dude, my pellet smoker is probably the, the, it's, it's gotta be the most expensive cooking appliance I've ever bought. And it's worth every fucking penny. As long as you use it. Yeah, at least on a weekly basis, if not multiple times a week. Because, like, I'll, I'll even do, like, hamburgers on it. Like, I just crank that thing up to 350 and put leave those patties on there for 45 minutes, and they are fucking incredible. I'm way too impatient to wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're probably doing your burgers in the restaurant on like like a flat top grill or something, so they're probably done in ten minutes, right? Yep. And I <laughs> I, I hate cooking at home because when you when you cook, like when you cook inside a restaurant. Oh, I I, I totally see where you're going with this, dude. Because you're like you get home and you're like I gotta fucking do this again. Yep. Like you bring up that beer <laughs> that beer episode when the guy cooks at a, like a four star restaurant and then comes home and makes himself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That ain't no shit. <laughs> like he's going to go home and get all those dishes and like dirty in his own kitchen and then have to clean it all up himself and shit. Yeah. I hate cooking at home. I hate it, it because you're so used to cooking with a lot of space and big pots and 
And then you come home and you got this little tiny counter space. It's just, I hate doing it. Oh, dude, I would love to have a big flat top grill that I could do like an entire breakfast all at once on or, you know, a whole bunch of burgers and stuff on. Like just the taste of food cooked on a flat top grill. Like I love it. It is a a comfort feeling for me. And but yeah, I mean, even like getting like a griddle at home, that shit sucks. It's like, no, I want like a proper big ass flat top grill do i have room for it in my kitchen no (laughs) do i do i have counter space no (laughs) so yeah i totally know what you mean dude because you'd be totally spoiled cooking in a commercial kitchen and then going home into like a little kitchen in your house like fuck that yeah like that's why we transition now like the holidays we do all the holidays at the shop because we will close so then uh, the family just comes to the shop and we do – and that's what we'll do like Thanksgiving and we'll do Christmas because it's so much easier to just cook there and to – What an incredible idea. I've never even considered that, that restaurant owners could just hit like, like, all right, family at the restaurant. It totally yeah. makes sense. Well, and then you put the dishes through the dish machine. You don't have to, you don't have to do them. In the <laughs> that's incredible. It's so much easier. Yeah, none of the none of the kitchens I worked in had a dish machine. Like I was the dish machine in the kitchens I worked at. And it was just, you know, the big ass industrial sink with the three, you know, sections and the big giant sprayer thing and but yeah, I I've seen the the dish machines in in movies and stuff and I'm like, "Oh man, that would have been the shit to have." Oh yeah, 30 seconds. Boom boom. 30 seconds. That's fucking wild. I might be exaggerating. It might be more like a minute, but still. That's still very impressive. Yeah, they're they're stupid fast. (laughs) The dishes and glasses and everything come out just like piping hot. Yep. Yep. (laughs) That's rad. (laughs) Oh my God, you can tell I've had a shitload of whiskey. I'm really, really impressed by that fact. (laughs) Yeah. Ooh, Ooh, they come out all hot. (laughs) Hot and clean. You should uh you should tell everybody what kind of whiskey you're drinking. Oh, tonight I am finishing off my bottle of the Singleton, which is a 12-year-old scotch and it is fucking delightful. Really yeah. really really good. And then I told him that I took two shots of Fireball before I, <laughs> I left. <laughs> you know, now that I I feel like drinking scotch so much over the last few weeks is like it's like really, really opened up my worldview to like, I bet there's all sorts of other alcohols I could drink now. Because for the longest time, I was like a, a girl drink drunk. Like you would have to like make alcohol like very fruity. You would have to hide the alcohol flavor in it. Otherwise, I just couldn't drink it. And somehow it's like, well, I guess my motivation was I bought a $45 bottle of scotch. It took one drink and I was like, this is fucking gross. And then I was like, shit, dude, what are you going to just waste $45? Like, that's $45 fucking dollars you spent on this. You're going to fucking make yourself like this. And by about the fifth glass or so, I was like, this is like my new best friend. This stuff is so fucking good. And so, yeah, now it's like I just I, I really love scotch on the rocks now. Who'd have thought? <laughs> out, of all, out of all the liquors, too, you chose scotch. I know, because I want to be a a distinguished adult. I'm 42 now. I should drink an adult drink. (laughs) 
and also being a writer, it just feels like like I I should gravitate towards scotch, right? You start smoking cigars now too. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, I, I've I've done my I've done my time in the trenches of tobacco, and and I'm never going back. Um, I smoked cigarettes off and on for many years. I've successfully quit smoking three times in my life, and I'm not going to pick it up a fourth time. Um, and cigars, it's, I don't know. I don't know, dude. Maybe, maybe it comes down to it that I've just never had like a good cigar. Maybe like it, I'll, I'll, I'll put the snare this way. If I was hanging out with a friend that's like a cigar aficionado, like let's say that I was just hanging out with like, like Scott Shooty. I, I, he knows enough, but I know that he knows enough about cigars to where if he were to be like, this is a really great starter cigar for a beginner. Here's the proper, you know, technique you're going to want to use for smoking it. And if he were to like training wheels me through it, I'd probably have a good time doing it. Um, but but just if you just hand me a cigar and just be like, hey, just light this and smoke it however you feel is best. I'd probably be over here trying to fucking inhale the thing or some dumb shit like that. End up with laryngitis for two weeks. Um, which happened when I smoked a Cuban cigar in high school that friends sm- smuggled back from <laughs> from Mexico. We were all like passing it around. It is this big, giant fucking thing that I mean, like, I don't know what the ring gauge would have been, but this thing had to have been at least an inch in diameter and maybe like eight inches long. I mean, the thing was just giant. And we're like shooting pool in my buddy's basement and just passing this thing around and all talking about like, do you feel incredibly buzzed? I feel way buzzed. Like, does this thing have fucking chronic in it? Like, what is this? And then like the next day I was like, woke up with like a throat cold. And I'm like, oh, never smoking a cigar again. (laughs) It's probably because you guys were all passing around the same cigar. (laughs) And they just got back from an international flight. It could have been. That could have been the reasoning. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, I've I've never really, like, like, never gotten into, like, the sort of cigars that I've smoked when I was younger, it would make real cigar aficionados turn their nose up. Be like, well, I've had, like, Black and Wilds and Swisher Sweets, and they'd probably be like, like, barf in their mouth. (laughs) Right. And even those, it's like, were they good? No, not really. Really, the, the best cigars I ever had were like these little ones called Al Capones. And they were like tiny little mini cigars that were almost like smaller than a cigarette. And they would come in different. So they fall into the, the category of flavored cigars. So I'm I'm sure that I got to make a mental note next time I talk to Scott Shooty to ask him about Al Capones so just so he can be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. <laughs> but see, like you, you say, oh, I'm 42 and I feel like I need to drink a grown up drink. See, I, I never have the urge to do grown up things. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> well, you did a grown up thing. You did a took a vacation to another country. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's been it, it's been like three years since I actually took a vacation. So it was well. I mean, I don't really count C two E two as a like a three day. That's not a vacation, you know. This was the first time that I taken like a week off in in about three years. So it was, it was well, it was well needed. But I, I don't think age or whatever, like, oh, I'm old. I need to 
drink scotch now, you know? Uh, <laughs> that that wasn't the thought on why I bought this bottle of Singleton. <laughs> it was more just like kind of the reasoning I came up with after the fact. Uh, at first, it was because they were talking about on Morally Flexible podcast, and and Josh Haywood described the Singleton as the fruit punch of scotches, which now I understand he means it, it doesn't have a lot of bite to it, like another scotch. It, it's it go, it just goes down pretty smooth. Um, but in my mind, I heard that as this is going to taste like Tahitian treat, and it does not, even in the slightest, taste like fucking fruit punch. <laughs> But it is easy to drink, dude. I, yeah, I actually just finished off the bottle, so excited about that. <laughs> right. No and and also, I got a fresh bottle of Monkey Shoulder waiting for me out in the kitchen. So, <laughs> is that is that another scotch? It's another one because I had reached out to Josh and told him that hey, I was really liking the Singleton, dude. And he's like, oh, you got to try Monkey Shoulder. He's like, it's a little bit more of like a legit one where it's it's got a little bit more of a bite to it. And he he's highly recommended it. And I took one drink of that and I was like, this is the shit. <laughs> and so like, I've already finished a bottle, like a bottle of monkey shoulder. And, and then, yeah, I just went and bought another one. Cause it's been on sale at my local grocery store. Usually a $40 bottle of scotch. It's been on sale for 27 bucks. And so I was like, oh shit, I'm going to go buy another bottle while it's like so fucking cheap. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like, we have a full bar kind of at my place. Oh, sweet. So you got a liquor license there and everything. Dude, that okay. is fucking great. Yeah. Uh, so I don't like, but it's weird. Like, I don't, I can drink every night. I just don't, <laughs> you know? Uh, well, no, that's, that's good. I mean, because you really probably don't want to be in a position where you're drinking every night. I mean, granted, I I think I've been like, Saying it's okay, like like you drank six out of the last seven nights. That's not every night. <laughs> well, I I work in the restaurant business, so like I'm you're surrounded by drugs and alcohol pretty much all the time. You, you know, it's just it's just part of it. Uh, but it's all you you all just have to know when to say when. Like it's still a responsibility. You know, there's a there's a time and the place for everything. You know, like uh, Kevin Smith's one of his lines was like, you know, handle your high. You know, you can do whatever you want. Just, yeah, handle- just don't let it take you away. Right. You know, uh, I've always been able to do whatever, do anything, but I could still go to work the next day. You know. Oh yeah, same. And also with me saying that I that I've had scotch the last six out of seven nights, it's like yeah. Well, some of those nights I I literally had one glass, like enough to get a little bit of a buzz. One of the nights I drank enough to where I was like, oh, I got way too cocky with that, way too fast. <laughs> and I was sitting in the chair watching TV, and my kid's like, "You look like you're about to fall asleep. Are you tired?" And I'm like, "Very intoxicated." <laughs> <laughs> Like not tired at all. <laughs> oh God, what did we? Oh, we played the. There's a Stranger Things card game that we played where it's like a. I think it's called Attack of the Mind Flare. And pretty fun tabletop card game. Uh, but yeah, we played that, and like I was, I was way. <laughs> I was pretty lit playing that, which which made the game kind of fun. <laughs> 
I don't know. I'm I'm such a cheap date when it comes to alcohol, though. It really doesn't take too much to get me get me giggly. But I've always had a very I've always had a very strong handle on alcohol where to where I don't overdo it because I really, really detest throwing up. And so I've I've got a really good handle on when to stop drinking so I don't get to the point where I'm going to throw up. Yeah. And also one of the cool things with scotch I've noticed is I've yet to have a hangover from it at all. And like the come down form, it's like really, really mellow. Like I'll stop drinking and like an hour later, I'm like, oh, wow, I feel totally like back to baseline. So it's pretty cool. Whereas like if I were to like drink like like champagne or something like that, it's going to give me a headache and then I'm going to get super sleepy and want to go to bed at like seven o'clock. You're making it sound more and more enticing. (laughs) That's the goal. I'm trying to create more whiskey drinkers here because that seems like a good thing to promote. (laughs) There's a part of me, though, that I'm like, do you like this because it's in your blood? Right. Your fucking Scottish Irish ancestry that like whiskey just sings to you on a cellular level. Right. Because literally the I was named after my my mom's uncle Joe. And when I was born, he had some whiskey, I don't know what kind, put in a little ceramic jug and he wrote with shoe polish on the bottom like a note to me that, you know, on your 18th birthday, enjoy this whiskey. And and so it's like, there's a part of me, it's like, is it because it's in your blood? Are you supposed to like whiskey? Would your very Irish Uncle Joe be turning his nose up at you that you're drinking Scotch whiskey instead of Irish whiskey? Makes you wonder. Right. <laughs> well, uh, was it any good when you finally did drink the whiskey? Oh, I, I think my mom like reached out to like a, a bartender that she went to high school with that still owns like one of the one of the bars in the small town that I grew up in a fine establishment called Hattie's a uh, really, really cool guy named Tom, Tom Hattie runs that place. And so she went up and asked Tom like, Hey, th- is, is he going to get alcohol or is he going to get some sort of po- like, is this safe to drink? Right. And Tom basically said, well, he goes, well, you don't know how good of a job, you know, they, they did putting that cork in. And so it's, it's possible. It's fine to drink. He goes, personally, he goes, I probably wouldn't risk it. And so when I turned 18 and I put a corkscrew in that bottle and tried to open it, the cork completely disintegrated. Oh. And so I ended up just pouring it all down the, the drain, but I kept the jug and it's, it's sitting out in my garage and in, in like a place of honor. And yeah, the, the guy, I, I never got to meet uncle Joe, but I, but I knew I was named after him. If if I'm remembering correctly, he he died sitting in a rocking chair watching squirrels play out in his yard. So so he had a pretty good peaceful death. I I think I'd take that. Right. If I had to choose something like sitting and watching squirrels play in the yard, then you just pass and like that sounds okay. Sounds peaceful. <laughs> I've got some big mature uh, maple trees in my front yard, so I love watching the squirrels chase each other out there. Uh, one, one of my favorite things about squirrels is they're driven by an obsessive need to collect nuts and store them for the winter. And so they bury them in places, but then their brains are too small to remember all the places they've buried them. And so squirrels inadvertently go around planting trees that then they live in. I think that that's a really cool cycle. <laughs> that is pretty cool. <laughs> I, 
I saw squirrels taking food directly out of like people's like hand in London. We were walking through a park and they just be, must be so huge to the people that they literally came right up to like a little girl and took like, I don't know what she was feeding him and took it right out of her, their hand. And then me and Mark were like, yeah, how am I going to explain this to like the doctor when I'm like, oh, well, I was just feeding this squirrel and now I have to get stitches in my hand because I <laughs> felt like that was something smart to do was to feed a squirrel. Don't forget your rabies vaccines, which is something like 15 boosters. Yeah. Like all in the stomach area, all around your your belly button, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. So uh it doesn't yeah. sound fun. So we did not, we did, even though I saw a little girl doing it, we were not going to feed squirrels. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's cute up to a certain level, but it's like, yeah, it's like at the end of the day, those are wild animals. It's a small, cute one, but it's still a white wild animal and you never know. And it might just nip your finger and that's that's an animal you don't know its history, so you just need to assume that that fucking thing has rabies and anything else, and you're going to have to go and get a whole panel of booster shots to protect against that. My favorite is when people get really cocky at, like, uh, Yellowstone, and they're like, I'm going to walk right up to this bison and take a picture of it, and it's like, you're a dumb shit. You're about to get fucking launched. Oh, I love watching those videos when, uh, like, when people walk up to it. <laughs> and then the thing charges them. Yeah. <laughs> it's really a Darwin award. You know, that that you think that the world is so fucking nerfed that you can walk up to a wild animal like that. And it's cool, bro. Let's have a Disney princess moment. And it's like, yeah, it's not the world. Re that's not the way reality works. Yeah, like I said, I'm surprised half the people don't get hit by buses. I'm, I really am. <laughs> Dude, I remember years ago I was playing disc golf with a friend of mine and we were walk we were playing through a fairly heavily wooded course. And so we come around this bend in the trail and there's a, a white-tailed deer just standing like five feet away from us, like really close, like spit and you can hit it. And like he just immediately took off running, like right at this deer. Like, like I'm gonna catch it with my bare hands. And like came pretty close to touching it. And I remember when I caught up with him and he was all proud of himself. I was like, what would you have done if you'd actually caught that? I'm like, that thing was a hundred and maybe 140 pounds of pure muscle. That thing would have fucked you up, dude. Right. You, you wouldn't have held on. Like, what are you going to do? Stab it with a fucking knife and then put a deer tag <laughs> on it. It's not even in season. Like, What was your plan? Like, I don't think he had a plan. He just wanted to catch it. He was just a dog chasing a car. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I remember that just my first thing being like, dude, if you'd have wrapped your fucking arms around that thing's neck, that thing would have fucked you up so bad. Like, oh, God, it would have almost been uh, almost been entertaining to watch it happen. Did it did it have antlers? I don't I think it was a doe, but it was a, it was a full grown doe. I mean, regardless, it was it was in the neighborhood of 140 to 160 pounds of pure muscle. You're not going to contend with that being a regular human being. That thing is going to, it's, it's going to rock your world so hard that you're not even going to know it hit you. <laughs> I mean, this is something that, you know, it's, 
it, it lives in the real, real world. This thing doesn't have an apartment that it goes back to with with amenities and shit. This thing is living fucking Lord of the Flies every day. <laughs> and, and you're some soft-ass American that's just going to go up and wrap your arms around it like you're going to take down a deer. Get out of here, buddy. <laughs> Dude, we saw a lot of wild shit at that disc golf course. Now that I think about it, there was a time that was, I think it was on that exact same hole. We were sitting on a bench waiting for our turn, and we heard this, like, like flutter of wings behind us when we turned around and an, I think it was either a red tail hawk or a barred owl. It was on the ground behind us with like something small and furry clutched in its talons. And then it flew up onto a branch about 15 feet over us and proceeded to shred and devour the thing right in front of us. It was just like raining fur, like snow around us. Nice. It was fucking metal. <laughs> it was so metal. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of cool thing about living where you are. You get to, like, live and see natural. Oh, I see wildlife and stuff all the time. Like, um, well, we were on the, out on the river a few weeks ago, and we kept seeing bald eagles flying up and down the river. Like, my, my I, I, I remember talking to people after Peacemaker was out, and they're like, I've never seen a bald eagle. And I'm like, fucking really? I'm like, holy shit, I see them all the time. But yeah, I mean, I take that for granted that I live in a rural area and I get to see lots of wildlife and shit like that. My parents live in Florida um, and like they'll send me pictures of uh, and surprisingly, they they'll they'll send me pictures of wildlife like they like they send me a picture of an, an alligator and they 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 did they, see a bald eagle the other day Um so they see a decent amount of it, more more so there in Florida than than up here in Missouri. But we don't live in like we don't really live in like if you go in a couple hours away from where we live, you you can be pretty rural, but not not where we live now. So where I'm are not, you at again? Where I'm like twenty mile, well, more like forty miles west of St. Louis. Okay, okay. What's the name of your town again? Washington. Washington, Missouri. It's right I'm on the. Pulling right, it up to see exactly right, how far away you are from me. It's like right on the Missouri River. So I guess we're kind of on like the Lewis and Clark Trail. Oh, you're a four and a half hour drive away from me. Almost due south from where I'm at. Yeah, four and if I do if I go four and a half hours south, I'd get to you. A hop, skip, and a jump. You, you can't, Joe. I'll buy you lunch. <laughs> it's your restaurant, you cheap bastard. <laughs> Dude, you talked about so many good sandwiches earlier. I would make this four and a half hour drive to come have sandwiches with you. <laughs> I put it look at. Any army member, they're more than welcome to come and get a sandwich. I'll take care of them. No problem. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. We're going to have to make that happen someday because that would be totally fun. <laughs> you know, like Eric Eric drove through like one time. I think it was when he was still living in California. They drove like right past us. I'm like, you guys ought to stop in. 
Oh, yeah, because he drove to C2E2 that one year. Yep. And, like, literally drove, like, Highway 70, which is, like, right right by us. <laughs> Hell, yeah, dude. We'll have to make that happen. Um, dude, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been an absolute blast talking with you tonight, Lenny. Yeah, th- thank you so much. I mean, I, like I said, I've always wanted to be on StarCast. I just, like, was like, man, man. I don't know how I can stack up to all these other people, but no, I appreciate it. I really do. Thanks for it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for talking to me. Dude, you stacked right. up just fine. This was a fucking great conversation. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I just said, <laughs> I, I really did appreciate it. And anytime anybody has any restaurant questions or want to know anything about uh, the restaurant business, I'm always here. Just, uh, you know, message me and I'll, I'll, I'll answer anything. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how it is. Awesome. And be sure and check out Nerdaholics and What's Your Story. Um, Yeah, thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been StartCast. Bye, everybody.